Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. All it begins with is a simple introduction. Every time we meet someone new, it always begins with a simple introduction. We, we want to know each other's names. It may be that you introduce yourself, or it may be that somebody else introduces you to someone else. But every time it starts with a name. Hello, my name is Joey. Actually, my, my full name is Joseph Taylor Drumright II. That's my full name. I'm named after my father, uh, who is Joseph Taylor Drumright Sr., and I was talking with a friend of mine recently, and they were telling me, uh, actually I was telling them about my dad, and he was talking to my mom one time, and he was, my mom was trying to do something that was really hard, and my dad, Joseph, was telling my mom, said, Mary, could, could you please stop trying to do that? It's too hard to do it on your own. Let me help you. And my friend stopped me and said, wait, wait, hang on a second. Let me make sure I understood that correctly. Your father's name is Joseph, and your mother's name is Mary? Your parents' name are Joseph and Mary? I said, why, yes, they are. Kind of makes you think of me in a new light now, doesn't it? And they looked me square in the eye and said, absolutely not. Names carry power. Names carry power just simply that the fact that my parents' name were Joseph and Mary made someone stop for a moment and go, Joseph, your parents' name were Joseph and Mary, because names carry power. Names can be also a pretty funny thing. I don't know if you, if you know this, but you can go on uh, the internet, onto the World Wide Web, and type in name generator, and it'll bring up a bunch of websites with, with these options to enter in information that will make and generate a name for you. And people use this to name their children. So you can go on to one of these name generators and enter in uh, personality traits, uh, a date of birth, a gender, and hit generate, and all of a sudden you'll have a name, and people actually use this to name their kids. There's actually some pretty funny ones that are out there that you can use to name things, like, say, a Christmas elf name generator. I like the Christmas elf name generator. And I thought since we're talking about names today, it would be kind of a little fun to see what that might look like. And so uh, I want to take a name and, and, and a gender. That's what this requires. This particular generator requires a name and a gender. So let's, uh, let's start with this. Let's start with, say, Sam Souter. S-A-M-S-O-U-D-E-R. Gender. Male. Is that right? Yeah, male. Okay. And you hit generate, and this is what you get. Sam's Christmas elf name is Licorice Cuddle Tree. That's fitting, is it not? Sam's a big hugger. He likes to hug. He's Licorice Cuddle Tree. It gives a description, too. I, I'm not kidding. This, we didn't make this up. This is actually from a Christmas elf name generator. This is actually the screen. Uh, licorice makes talking clockwork animals for all the good little children. If he wears, oh, he wears a fluffy jacket with rabbit ears, and he's a bit of a show-off who likes to climb the Christmas tree and be the center of attention. Doesn't sound like Sam at all, does it? I promise I did not make this up. This came up all on its own. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Let's, um, let's, go, ooh, let's go with Barry. He's not here to defend himself. B-A-R-R-Y-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. Gender, male, and you get this. Garland Jolly Crystals. Barry's Christmas self-name is Garland Jolly Crystals. Garland makes ferocious toy dinosaurs. Stop there. Who does not want to see Barry make ferocious toy dinosaurs? He wears bright rainbow-colored suit covered in stripes and spots, and he loves gems and crystals. He's very good at finding little treasures to decorate the Christmas toys. Barry's elf 
Christmas self-famous Garland Jolly Crystals. Here's your first, here's your first resolution for 2019. Here's what you need to resolve yourself to do. This is your challenge starting from this Sunday on. Barry's out of town. And so next time you see him, because you won't be able to see him until January. So 2019, I, I, I challenge you to walk up to Barry. And when you see him, do an introduction. Say, hi, Garland Jolly Crystals, and see how he reacts to it. Pull out your phone and record it for me and send it to me because I really want to see how he responds to you calling him that name. You see, names really do matter. You, you, tell, you, you call somebody the wrong name and they get upset, right? You forget somebody's name, they get upset. Especially in the Bible, names had significant importance. Names were powerful. Your name was your identity. It was your destiny, the, the truth hidden in the marrow of your bones. It was the one word moniker for the truest thing about you. It expressed your, your innerness, your inner Tomness, your inner Ruthness, your inner Joeyness. But did you know this? God has a name. God has a name that Scripture tells us about. God declares his own name, and his name is not God as we use it today. Crazy, right? 99.99999% of us, when we talk about God or talk to God, we use God for the name for, say, God. It's something we use on a regular basis. And usually we're talking about Father God when we say that. Not necessarily even Jesus or Holy Spirit, which is the triune God that we talk about. But here's the thing. What if I told you that the divine being, the creator of the whole universe and everything in it, who created you and you and you and me and all of us here and every human being that's ever existed, what if I told you that he actually had a personal name and it's not necessarily God? As a matter of fact, today when I say the word God, there's probably several images that may come into your mind about who God is. Images that pop into your brain about what God looks like, what God does. And they're all based upon a multitude of different experiences and things that may have happened. Barry quoted this, this uh, quoted A.W. Tozer a couple of weeks ago with this quote. The most important thing about a person is what that person thinks about when they think about God. So that's the question. I say, God Begin to think of images. What images do you get in your mind right now when I say, think about God? Imagine God. What images come to mind? Is it maybe a mysterious, distant God, way off, faceless over there in space? The God that created everything, threw down the instruction manual we call the Bible, and then went off to leave us to our own devices and said, good luck? Is that, is that the, so some of us, do we have that image of God when we think about him? The God that doesn't care? Or maybe we, we have this God that we, I want to call the Hey Siri God. Hey Siri God, right? Hey Siri. Of course, it's not going to work now. Hey Siri. And she's not. Somebody's went off. I heard it. <laughs> Patty, I, saw, I heard it. Hey Siri. Go ahead, I'm listening. She actually wrote it down. Oh, there she is. Yes. The Hey Siri God that when you call her name, she starts talking and says, yes, what can I do for you? Uh, very much so like some of those who, who are a little bit uh, more mature in age would call it butler God. It's just waiting there with a, with a serving tray. What do you need? I'll get it for you right now. The Hey Siri God that's always available at your beck and call. Is that some of the images that we have of God? Or maybe we have Grandpa God. Oh, Grandpa God. Everybody loves Grandpa God. 
But he's got to be getting up there in age now, right? He's old. He's, he's Grandpa God. He's the kinder, gentler God. He always has candy for the kids, right? But he moves really slow. Grandpa God, I want you to move faster. I have a request and I want you to go. But, you know, sometimes he's just so slow in answering when I want him to. And, you know, and the other thing about Grandpa God is, Grandpa God, he, he can't relate to us today. He's old-fashioned. He doesn't get where we are today. Is that some of the images that we might have of God? Or maybe, maybe it's scorekeeper God. Scorekeeper God. This is a God that believes in only right and wrong, black and white. As a matter of fact, right now, scorekeeper God's got some people in here keeping score on us. He's, he's adding or subtracting points based upon what you do or you don't do if you fall asleep. He sees you on your phone. Some of us are here this morning in order to get points for scorekeeper God. Did you see me? I'm at church today. Some of us may be here in order to take away a demerit from last night. Scorekeeper God. How about stained glass window God? I find the irony that our stained glass windows are covered up today when I say this. Stained glass window God. He's the God that lives at the church. That when you come to church, that's where you got to come to see and to talk to and have relationship with God. That's where God is. Tradition is paramount at stained glass window God's church. That's where you got to be. And you got to do everything the right way. Or he may turn into scorekeeper God. Stained glass window God. Or maybe he's rock and roll God. And rock and roll God is the God that, that does everything against the grain. That does everything in complete contrast to stained glass window God. Or maybe it's the God that pretty much makes up all these gods into one big God. And whether we want to admit it or not, most of us live with this image of God and we have to fight against it on a regular basis. And that God is me, God. It's the God that's made in your own self-image that does what you want it to do. And here's how you know if you've made God in your image, me, God, he agrees with everything that you think. He hates the people you hate. He likes the people you like. He voted for the person you voted for. If he's a Republican, so are you. If you're a Democrat, so is she. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Nobody start getting mad. I'm just totally kidding. Me, God. Me, God. This is, this is the one, if you're passionate about X, so is me, God. Above all, me, God is tame. Me, God is calm. Because me, God, me, God's controllable. We all have images of who this God is, and then we come about those images based upon so many different criteria, so many things that come into our, our lives. It could be our parents, or it could be our churches, it could be friends, it could be relationships, it could be school, it could be media. Unfortunately, social media plays a lot into that. But all these things come from the experiences from those different avenues, experiences that are good or bad, and they form this image of God that we then live out and have relationship with. Did God let you down? Did you pray on your knees and say, God, please, this and this, please, God. And he either didn't answer in the way you wanted to or in the time frame he wanted to, or maybe he just seemed like he was silent altogether. And in that moment, you started forming an idea of who this God is. Or maybe God did the perfect thing that you wanted just at the right time you wanted in just the right way. He gave you uh, the dream that you've been hoping for, the object of your desires. And in that moment, you formed an idea of who this God is. Everyone has an image of God. Everyone does. And that image can sometimes be changed based upon our experiences, good 
or bad. So it's not just the name of God that matters. He has a name, but it's not just the name that matters. It is, it is how you view God. It is, it is actually the baggage you carry when you think of the name God that actually makes a difference also. But God actually gives himself his own name. God names himself in Scripture. Not only that, but he defines his name. He defines who he is within the time frame of him describing his own name. God does not need us to define him on his behalf. God does not need us to define him. He does it very well himself. If you want to know how God defines him, pick up and read his own words for yourself. It's right there. It's called the Bible. He does not need us to define him on his behalf. The question we're faced with is not whether he defines himself or reveals himself. The question we're faced with is, do we believe it? Do we trust that God is who he says he is when we read it from his own words? If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 33. We're going to be in Exodus 33 and 34 for the remainder of our, our morning here. Uh, I want to set a context where we're going to be. We're going to be starting off in verse 14 in just a few moments. But just before this happens, we've kind of had the story of how they've come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've come to Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up on the mountaintop the first time or the second time from the burning bush. Goes up there. And he's up there 40 days, 40 nights. Gets the stone tablets, Ten Commandments. Comes down and they're worshiping a golden calf. The tablets get smashed. Moses is torn up. Thousands die. And this is after that Moses is talking with God. And you understand where God is coming from in terms of how he defines himself. One of the first things I want you to see is what is said in verse 11. So 33 verse 11 states this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. So our distant, faceless God that's way over there is not accurate. God is here, he is living, he is breathing, and he's present right here, right now. God has asked Moses to continue to lead these people. And Moses is going, have you met them? He's scared. Moses goes to God and says, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified here. You're going to send us from this place, and I need to be reassured that your presence is going to go with us. He asks God, point blank, boldly, God, show me your glory and teach me your ways. And God responds in chapter 33, starting in verse 14 this way. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Stop there. Did y'all catch that? What will distinguish us from all the other people on the planet, it's a question we should be asking ourselves all the time. And Moses already knows the answer. Moses has already given the answer. He's like, God, your presence has to go with us. If it doesn't, nothing will distinguish us from everybody else. And as we look at what it means to go out into this world and to be the presence of Christ, get that? Is what distinguishes us from them is not us. It is not how good or bad. It is not about the different gods we create in our own mind that we want to display. It is the 
presence of God that distinguishes us from them. And there's not even really much of an us and them. It is simply God working in and through us to show other people his love. And Moses already knows that answer. And he's saying, do not send me from here unless your presence is going with us. Verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Did you see what he just said to Moses? Did you see what it was? Verse 17, let's put that back up. I will do the very thing you've asked. How many of you have wanted to hear God say that? I will do the very thing you asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now hold on for a second there. We, we hear that and we go, okay, he knows his name's Moses. He's God. That's not what that means. When, whenever you see that in scripture, this is not about him saying, I know a name. He is saying, I know everything about you. I know you intimately. I know the hair on your head. I know the thoughts you had yesterday, the day before, and forever since I created you. And I know everything you're going to do and thinking about doing and thinking about saying to me. I know when you're mad and when you're happy, when you're really mad at me, and when you're really happy with me. I know all these things because I know your name. And then he says in verse 19, I will cause all my goodness, not just his presence, because he is good. He's a good, good father. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Moses says to God, God, I know you, but I want to know you. And God says to Moses, I know you. I know you. I know you by name. And I want to tell you my name so that you know who I am and that when my name is proclaimed in this world, you know exactly who I am. Flip over to Exodus 34. We'll be starting verse four. So it kind of ends on 33 with this little cliffhanger. Does he do it? Does he go up in the mountain? What happens? What happens when he says his name? What is his name? And most of y'all probably already know the name I'm getting to, but it's the, the power of that name we're going to get to. Get to 34, and here's Moses, goes up on the mountain, verse 4. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Our English translations very often do poor justice to some of the things that Scripture declares beautifully. This is one of them. Throughout Scripture in Genesis and in Exodus, the name, God's personal name is actually used multiple times. It is used multiple times because names have meaning, right? I mean, my kids, all three of them are right here. My oldest is Zoe. Her name means life. Um, my middle is Sophie. Her name means wisdom. And Malcolm, he's my youngest, and his name means monster. <laughs> he's making a face at me right now. I'm going to pay for that later. But God says his name right there, and we miss the nuance, the beauty of what he says there. It's used multiple times by the writer because the writer is writing it. And so he already knows God's personal name, but here we are with God's name, and it's Yahweh. 
God declares instead of the word Lord there, it is Yahweh. And it's not the first time he's declared it. We go back to Exodus 3 where Moses is at the burning bush and he's on Mount Sinai. And there he's before God kneeling down. It's a holy place with God. And God is there. And Moses, he tells Moses, hey, I need you to go back to Egypt. And I need you to tell this Pharaoh guy to let my people go. And Moses comes up with every excuse possible as to why he can't go. And one of them is, who am I supposed to say sent me to you? What am I supposed to say? If I go to Pharaoh and I say, God said, let my people go. Pharaoh's going to go, God who? We got lots of God. God who? He's like, the God. So yeah, quick, we got it. What's, what's your God's name? We got Isis. We got Osiris. We've got Ra. Who, who do you have? What's your God's name? He's going to say, God. And so God says to him, here's what you tell them. I am that I am. You tell them that I am sent you. And that word I am is Yahweh. It is Yahweh. Y-A-H-W-E-H. But in, in, in Hebrew, there are no vowels. And so you drop the vowels and you have Y-H-W-H. Yahweh, that is God's personal name. And there's so many things in the Hebrew that leads up to us understanding that that is his name. But that is his name. We say God and we say Lord, which are beautiful things. Do not misunderstand. They are beautiful. God's name is to be said in awe and beauty. But it's also personal and intentional for us to know who he is. Our God is Yahweh God. So here we are in this English translation that says Lord, that really means Yahweh. But really it's not the name. Remember, it's not just the name that matters. It's the meaning behind it. It's, it's how God defines himself from here. And so we move on to verse 6, and this is what it says. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Now remember, that's not the Lord here. It's not. God begins to define who he is with his own name. He begins with Yahweh. Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. That God there is not Yahweh. That God there is Elohim or mighty or strong. It is a description of God. It is, a, it is a more of a generic term for a God who is mighty and powerful. He says that this is how he defines himself. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Verse 7, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. In these words we see for the first time, Yahweh chooses to reveal his true nature to humanity. Here for the first time, Yahweh makes his nature, who he is, explicitly clear. No question marks here. This is who I am, and I need you to know that. A God, Yahweh, that is both the thing that we didn't think was possible, ultimately powerful, and is both intimately loving. Yahweh. And look at how he defines himself. Look at these words that he uses there. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining that love, forgiving and just or fair, justice. Yahweh defines himself not as a powerful ruler or overlord or dictator of humanity. Yahweh, who can do anything at any time in any way, decides to display his power in love, in grace, in compassion, in patience, in faithfulness, forgiveness, and justice. Yahweh. 
Not only that, but in Exodus 33 and 34, just those two chapters alone, forget everything that comes before for a moment, everything that comes after for a moment. In those two chapters alone, God shows us that he is a God of proximity, that he wants to be known, that he is close to us. We just finished... We just finished the, the, the uh, Christmas season where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, whose name is literally God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh with us. And he came here and he is here. And why did he choose to be with us? Because he is Yahweh, because he is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining that love. God, Yahweh is forgiving, but he's always, always fair. And now here's, here's the thing that some of us listening to this may have a little trouble with. Because sometimes I too have a little bit of a trouble, uh, a troubled heart based upon this. Is that last part in verse 7 where it says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Some of us may have a hard time with that last part. Yahweh is the God of justice. He's the God of justice. He does not leave the guilty to go unpunished. We may have a hard time for two reasons. One, because we can't let God take care of other people who are not doing the things they should be doing. And we're terrified because we go, God, I am guilty. I I live a life of sin. I deserve to be punished. And here is this God, this, this Elohim, that if you don't know his name, Yahweh, you're thinking of a generic God. Here's this God who does not let the guilty go unpunished. And I want to tell you that he doesn't let the guilty go unpunished. He actually does punish the guilty. But the punishment and the justice has already been taken care of. Yahweh is with us and Yahweh is for us. He came as Jesus to make sure that justice was served. And he did so by Yahweh taking the punishment on our behalf. Jesus died on the cross. Yahweh became flesh in the form of Jesus and exacted justice upon himself for all of our sin on our behalf so that nothing, nothing comes between us in Yahweh, our God. Remember, while he is the God of justice, he's also the God of grace, of forgiveness, and faithfulness. And he promised Moses, as the promise still stands today, that his presence would always go with his people. Holy Spirit is strong and powerful here. And when we leave and when we drive But do we believe that he is who he says he is? Yahweh makes his relationship with you personal. He knows you by name and everything that that means. And he wants the same from you in return. He doesn't want just parts. He'll take everything he can get, but he wants all of you. And ladies and gentlemen, that's our invitation today. It's not just an invitation this morning not just today, but tomorrow and for the rest of our lives is to surrender and pursue to Yahweh God who knows us by name, gives us his and wants us to know him intimately. To see him as he is, not as we want him to be. Not made in our own image, but exactly as he describes himself. That we call him by name and we ask him, Yahweh, show me your glory. Father, teach me your ways.
Let's stand and worship Yahweh.